Ah, back home. It's time for the news from Back Home magazine. This week's news is about a building technique called straw bale construction. Did you know that you can build a garage, a workshop, even a home using bales of straw coated with mortar? Contrary to what we learned about the big bad wolf huffing and puffing to blow down the little pig's straw house, real-life straw bale buildings are extremely durable. In fact, straw bale structures that were built at the turn of the last century in Nebraska are not only standing, but some are still lived in today. In the arid climate of the southwest in California, new homes are being built with straw bales. In the deep south, with the heat and humidity, a straw bale house in Alabama is listed in the official National Register of Historic Places. So, even if straw bale buildings strike you as unusual and possibly amusing, it's not a new idea, and there are good reasons why folks are taking a closer look at this technique. First and foremost, it's inexpensive. Construction costs can be as low as $5 a square foot. Compared to a conventional cost of $75 a square foot and up, it's not hard to get a frugal person's attention. Next, it's relatively easy to build with bales of straw, and it's also a fast way to build. The bales are stacked, and then a coating of stucco-like mortar is applied to the surfaces, making it possible to build in almost any shape. Building a round playhouse for children is a nightmare in geometry if you're using 2x4s and sheets of plywood, but with straw bales, it's a snap to stack them in a circle. Another big advantage is in insulation. The R value of a straw bale wall can approach R50. Compare this to a conventional wall with an R value of only 10 to 20, and it's not hard to see the energy savings in wintertime heating or hot summer weather. In addition, straw bale buildings are actually more fire-resistant than a stick-built house because of the inner and outer stucco coating. The essential component, straw bales, are typically either two-wire or three-wire bales ranging from about 50 pounds up to about 100 pounds. The single most important rule is to be sure the bales are dry before building. Straw, unlike hay, is a tough, fibrous stalk of wheat, rye, flax, or other grains and resists rot if fully dried and kept that way. You'll need a foundation for your straw wall because of the weight and also because it keeps the straw off the ground and away from moisture. Windows and doors are easily framed in and then topped with lintels for the next course of bales. To meet code in some areas, owner-builders start with an open post and beam construction, then fill in the walls with straw bales. Each bale is held to the net with a wooden peg or a short piece of rebar and stacked in a staggered pattern, just like common bricks. The final coating of stucco can be directly applied to the bales, or a layer of chicken wire is pegged to the wall, and then the stucco is layered on. It's no problem to add colors or paint it later if that gray cement fails to appeal to your artistic senses. 
More information about Straw Bale Building is available from Back Home Magazine. Our phone number is 800-992-2546, or we're on the web at backhomemagazine.com. News from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW, Spindale, North Carolina, with support from Air Check You are listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. This is Ord Energy Mon. Hello. I can barely hear you, but you're there. (laughs) You can hear me. I can't hear you at the moment. Oh, okay. Let's see what I'm doing. Good day. This is Orr, and we're here on your community radio station. <laughs> I forgot to hit a button. Oh, okay. I hear you now. Fuck. <laughs> can you hear me now, too? I can. Good sure. day. Good day. After 17 years, you'd think I'd figure this out, but... I've been uh-huh. taking a break for a little while and letting you run the board. Tree Song is calling yeah. in, and I used to do that all the time, and now Tree Song gets to try to do that. So yeah, it's strange being on the other end of it. <laughs> it's like it's the anticipation is excruciating sometimes. Um, yeah. Before we get into the news, um, we did get a box of books from um, Voyager Press, and I wanted to talk about this book, Mother of News Almanac, A Guide Through the Seasons. Some of the ideas in this book are extremely practical. Some of the ideas are just for fun. Some of the ideas are wonderfully old-timey. Some of the ideas in this book will help you get back to the land. Some of the ideas in this book will improve your life no matter where you live. The Mother of News Almanac is a lively collection of information about the satisfying, self-sufficient lifestyles of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The name of this book, again, is Mother of News Almanac, A Guide Through the Seasons. And this is the new edition. And... Lots and lots of information. I like it that they've got it divided up in the season. So you you can look at spring, the time of awakening, summer, the time of growth, autumn, the time of maturing, winter, the time of rest, and then there's, you know, tons and tons of charts and tables in it, too. Yeah. Sounds like an interesting book. I was actually just talking to someone about, you know, sort of life skills like that, that we've forgotten in today's society that might come in handy. Yeah, the, my favorite book is the Encyclopedia of Country Living, and it's probably 1,400 pages of information about absolutely everything. And um, the lady who wrote that, unfortunately, isn't living anymore, but she wrote that over at least 30 years of, you know, living off the grid per se. All right, let's scare some people about what's happening in the world. Delaware-sized chunk of ice could dislodge from the Antarctic shelf. Um, Could an 80 
mile-long crack in the Larsen Sea ice shelf threatens to dislodge a chunk of ice measuring about 2,300 square miles. This is nearly the size of Delaware and twice the size of the massive Larsen B ice shelf collapse in 2002. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, it's an ice shelf, which means it is sitting on land. And if it melts or falls off, it will raise sea level. Yeah, well, this one, I believe, is the one that's actually cracking now is sitting on the ocean, but right behind it is all the one that is going to sit on land and fall into the ocean. And, I mean, it, this rift has grown nearly 14 miles, or about 3 miles per month, as it, since it was last observed in March 2016. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if there were a crack in Utah and it grew 3, three miles in that amount of time. You'd be concerned. Yep. So, and so, I mean, like, this portion of the shelf is luckily you know, not sitting on the ground. But if this one breaks off, it's holding a bunch more that could, you know, follow it. So Yeah. It turns out that altering the the basic topography of Antarctica is probably not a good idea. <laughs> and if all the ice in the Larsen C ice shelf the Larsen B ice shelf holds back, slides into the ocean, it will raise sea level four inches. Yeah. So. Which, you know, to some people living inland here may not sound like too much, but when you're on the coast, <laughs> suddenly, almost instantly having four, uh, at least in geological times, say, it's almost instantly, suddenly having four inches of sea level rise. Well, and <laughs> if, it, if it all slides in at the same time, it will be like a tidal wave of four inches going up. Yeah. So it won't be just like slowly go up. It will be you know, fast, so. Yeah, and people won't have time to prepare. It'll just, yeah. People are already worried about the ocean level rising that is currently happening. If this adds to it, that's going to hamper a lot of efforts to have coastal cities not drown. All right, so let's get into this next story. Uh, this one... Do we have to? We have, like, so much... Depression already. Yeah, we could we could just briefly touch on this one. Call my eye as a pen. Uh, climate change will cost millennials more than student debt or the Great Recession. So it costs a lot to be young in the era of climate change. Um, One hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars per college-educated millennial, to be precise. That figure, which represents the amount of income lost over their lifetime. For someone who was born in 1994, it's significantly greater than the usual culprits blamed for young people's economic challenges. Your old pal student debt and Great Recession will each be respectively 113000 and 112000 Wait a second. Student debt is higher than the Great Recession was? <laughs> yeah. So they try to blame the economic woes we're having on the recession. Really, student debt is a huge factor for college-educated youth. I mean, harming them more than the recession itself. Millennials... Climate change yeah. is even more so, though. Yeah. Millennials are certainly more saddled with student debt than any other generation. 
And then, of course, in, what, 2008, we went through the second worst economic crisis in the nation's history, so. Yeah. And so it's, it's bad for millennials. It's going to have even more of an impact, obviously, on people younger than millennials, you know, people who were just born. Unless we change our ways and stop doing damage to the climate. And I find it interesting, too, because... You know, I'm concerned about the climate because of the effect it will have on people and life and all that. But some people only think in economic terms. So if you can tell them, oh, we're going to lose out on this much income, they'll say, well, maybe we should respond to this. Well, income does affect lives. I mean, money does yeah, affect okay. lives. So. Yeah, it's kind of a different way of saying the same thing, you know. It's an economic way of saying this is going to mess up everybody's lives. Speaking of stopping climate disasters, Native American pipeline protests halts construction in North Dakota. A groundswell of Native American activists has temporarily shut down construction on a major new oil pipeline with an ongoing protest that has drawn around 1,200 people to Cannonball, North Dakota. Construction workers walked away from their bulldozers on Monday after protesters surrounded the equipment and called for an end to construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline. A group of protesters on horseback also staged a mock charge toward a line of law enforcement officials guarding the site, and the county sheriff alleged others have fired guns and set off pipe bombs. Um, the name of the town is Cannonball, North Dakota. So there might be a little precedent of, like, Native Americans and, you know, law enforcement fighting it out a little bit. I don't know. Um, yeah. I've heard all those pipe bomb rumors are just rumors. Though. They often spread rumors about protesters in order to try to make them look bad. The horse charge was real, though. There's a video of it online. Uh, they're basically doing a little dance with the horses right in front of the police line to kind of uh, show, show their strength in numbers. I mean, the protest was staged at a spot where the pipeline would pass beneath the Missouri River. Yeah. Just upstream from the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. So, I mean, I wouldn't want an oil pipeline just upstream from where I live. Yeah. I've seen videos of what happens when an oil pipeline under water starts leaking. Uh, you know, the, the oil gets into the water and the water catches on fire. It's not a good thing to do with your drinking water, really. Now, I don't know how accurate, you know, the stuff people share on Facebook and the Internet is, but people are saying that, you know, the FBI has come in and, you know, has shut off water and... Uh, has started arresting a lot of people for stopping this because it's, you know, people are getting in the way of progress, right? Yeah. Um, and they've, they've started arresting some because it's being effective. It has, it has stopped the construction, and they're trying to seek legal measures to get an injunction, but until the injunction is, is decided on, they're going to keep the camp there and use, use their protest to slow it down. Now, this pipeline is a 3.8 billion, with a B, pipeline. 
at the heart of this protest would carry around half a million barrels of crude oil per day. Per day. From the oil field to Illinois, where it would leak through the link with the other pipelines to transport the oil to the Gulf Coast refineries and terminals. Yeah. Protesters from dozens of tribes across the country are now camping in tents, teepees, and mobile homes at the Sacred Stone Camp, a mile and a half from the construction site. There is also a more recently established campsite, the Red Warrior Camp. And so they do not want an oil pipeline that will be carrying half a million barrels of oil per day to be upstream from where they live. Yeah. There's a great statement online, too, from one of their... Uh their leaders. I think it was the, I don't remember the title, but the official chair of that, the tribe that is directly affected. Um, yeah. So let's see, another climate-related news. Climate activists arrested while protesting offshore drilling. Four activists were arrested Tuesday in Louisiana for refusing to leave the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management Office, the agency responsible for selling offshore drilling. Activists were part of a group petitioning to end all new drilling in the Gulf of Mexico, including the auction of 23.5 million acres in federal waters off the coast of Texas, scheduled this week in the New Orleans Superdome. I just think it's funny that it's like, would you like to buy some ocean property? Yeah. <laughs> just would you like, like to buy this square of ocean so that you can do terrible things? Right. But, I mean, there's literally an office that sells offshore properties yeah it's it's and the protests have gotten so much that they uh they're doing they close the auction to the public and they're streaming it live online so that nobody disrupts the auction so then because of that instead they go to the office and <laughs> disrupt the office well i wonder if like reg you know regular people could buy a piece of property and save it yeah that's, i think that's part of why they're doing it online is to make it more difficult because there was the one activists who did that for federal lands on land, and uh, he just bid on it without having the money for it, and he got in trouble for that. But it did successfully prevent, at least for a little while, those pieces from being sold. Now, these activists are not acting alone. The activists delivered a petition with 184,000 signatures, according to the Associated Press, and demanded to meet with President Obama, who was in Baton Rouge, touring the damage from the worst disaster in the U.S. since Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. In, in the, quote, in the midst of a climate-fueled disaster, which will most gravely impact those already marginalized in our society, moving forward with this auction is a terrible idea, wrote the activist group Bold Louisiana in a statement. Selling fossil fuels at the New Orleans Superdome the site of one of the most visible and tragic instances of climate injustice in recent history is nothing short of insulting, end quote. Yeah, it's almost as though they went for the irony, you know. Well, isn't irony supposed to be kind of subtle? <laughs> yeah, this isn't a subtle irony. Sorry. All right, we've got one more story here. The... Chilean solar delivers cheapest electricity, quote, ever, anywhere, by any technology. So and it's a bold I, claim. I don't know if they've mentioned it here, but 
Um, I think the majority of this year... No, that's Costa Rica. Never mind. I'm mixing up my countries. Costa Rica has been 100% renewable. Yeah. Well, Chile is well on its way there. They just contracted for the cheapest unsubsidized power plant in the world, Bloomberg New Energy Finance reports. In last week's energy auction, Chile accepted a bid from Spanish developers for 120 megawatts of solar at the stunning price of $29.10 per megawatt hour. Ooh. Yeah, this that, beats the 2.99 cent bid in Dubai for 800 megawatts. So they're sort of having a bidding war to see who can get the cheapest energy. And currently, Chilean solar is the cheapest. For context, <laughs> in Chile, that's 2.91 cents per kilowatt. We're here in the U.S. The average price is 12 cents per kilowatt. Yeah. So. And. It's, it's a sign of how much the solar industry is growing. It's also a sign of just how good of a solar uh, opportunity they have there. Um, let's see. Yeah, the region, Chile is aided by the fact that its Atacama Desert is, quote, the region with the highest solar radiation on the planet, according to the Inter-American Development Bank. So it's kind of the, the opposite of the situation in Germany where they don't really have great opportunity, but they made the most of it. Here in Chile, it's, it's a wonderful place to have a bunch of solar panels, so they went for it. I mean, and Chile is part of a global trend where solar energy has doubled seven times since the year 2000. Yeah. And, I mean, in the U.S. alone, it's grown a hundredfold in the past decade. So I guess you could say the future for solar has never been sunnier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Always good to throw a pun in there. Yeah. Today is National Dog Day. And Women's Equality Day. That doesn't go good together. Yeah. It's like, Saturday is Global Forgiveness Day and Just Because Day. And Sunday is Race Your Mouse Day. I'm not sure what kind of mouse. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's racing your mouse around the icons on your computer. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Monday is More Herbs, Less Salt Day. Yeah, and Tuesday is Frankenstein Day. It's in honor of the author, Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. It's her birthday. There you go. Let's get into some happenings. This is an absolute happening weekend. Yes. The fourth Friday fair is tonight. Celebrate the beginning of the new year at the Town Square Pavilion with Carbondale's fourth Friday fair. Tons of fun for kids and, you know, grown-up kids, including a bouncy house and games galore, art and food. And did I mention live music? That's right, live music. There will even be a cornhole toss. Fun for the whole family. That's Friday, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Town Square Pavilion downtown. Uh, Another happening. Film screening and discussion of Derby Baby. It's happening Tonight at 7 p.m. at Gaia House, the Southern Illinois Roller Girls will host a free screening of this excellent documentary on modern roller derby, fastest growing, growing, most misunderstood sport in the world. So that's 7 p.m. at Gaia House, Derby Baby. And the fourth annual WDBX Summer Street Festival. That's us. This is our street. That's right, right outside the radio station from noon until 10 p.m. on Saturday at the 200 block of North Washington. 
Come hang out with WDBX 91.1, your community radio station, for a fun-filled day. There's over a dozen bands on two stages, Elvis sightings, Pokemon Go, food, a beer garden, and a DJ dunk tank. I wonder if I should get dunked. <laughs> yeah, I never have in the past. Be hot. So that will be Saturday noon until 10 p.m. And again, two stages, nonstop music. Because, you know, if you have two stages and a dozen bands, it's easy to switch back and forth instead of having breaks between the bands setting up, right? Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Also coming up, we have the Pasta and Trivia Fundraiser coming up on Saturday at 6 p.m. at the Church of the Good Shepherd. These are really fun. I like going to trivia nights whenever I get the chance to form a team and sit around and answer trivia questions, try to try to win against the other team. So dinner at 6 p.m. and trivia at 7 p.m. On Sunday, Frack Free Fest. Man, they're, people are really trying to mess me up with the you know fourth Friday fair and now the Frack Free Fest with yeah. all these inabilities to pronounce words i've gotten better after being on the radio 17 years i don't tend to stumble over things as much frack free fest sunday from 1 till 7 p.m at alto vineyards the frack free fest an event sponsored by the anti-fracking anti-fossil fuels organization safe southern illinoisans against fracturing our environment at alto pass in the Alto Vineyards, featuring the People vs. Hugh Daniel, Fiddle Rilke Johnson, and the Bourbon Boys, and a number of other great bands, great food and drink. The event itself is free. Donation is suggested because, well, they need help to stop yeah. us from All fracturing our environment. Yeah. All these things we talked about on the show where the environment's getting fractured. Uh, SAFE is trying to prevent that in our region. So, yeah, Sunday at 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. It also sounds like just a great time if you just want to have a great time. All right. Support a cause at the same time. Show's wrapping up. We have to whip through a few here. Free cycle Tuesday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center. Free cycle, that's where unwanted stuff finds a new home. So bring stuff, take stuff. Do it. Yes. Coming up on Tuesday, continuing the conversation, Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Newman Center. Community members get together for an opportunity to build interracial, interracial community based on listening to each other. So Tuesday, 7 p.m. at the Newman Center. And on Wednesdays from 3 to 6 p.m. at downtown Carbondale on the 200 block of Washington Street, the Downtown Community Farmers Market every Wednesday from 3 to 6 p.m., April through October 26th. So get your veggies, get your good time. Sounds like Washington Street is the happening street to be on. Yes, it is. I look forward to seeing everybody around town and around the world making this place a better place. Stay energized. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you on... Again on the radio next week, eh? Yep, see you next week on the radio. Did I just say eh? (laughs) 